Good morning and welcome to the River of Life Sunday Morning Podcast. If you're local to Wakulla County, we'd love to see you and worship with you in person. Our Sunday morning services begin at 9 and 11 o'clock. May God bless you and we hope you enjoy the sermon. Good morning. I'm Brother Bill Jenkins. I'm Associate Pastor of River of Life and we're glad to have you tuning in with us this morning. If you have an opportunity, please take the Bible and open it to Acts chapter number 1. Acts chapter number 1 and we want to read this morning from verse number 6. Here's what the Word of God says. And when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Let's pray together. Father, we're going to ask you to bless this service this morning. We're going to ask God for a moving of the Holy Spirit of God to come into our lives and to work through this. These are unusual times. And yet, God, throughout the history of the Word of God, you have used unusual circumstances, unusual times to bring yourself honor and glory. And, Father God, we're praying that you would do that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. The disciples of Jesus wanted Jesus to stay and to set up a kingdom. Now, last Sunday, we celebrated Easter, Resurrection Sunday. Uh, If you had lived 2,000 years ago and you were walking with the disciples... Forty days have now transpired since that time. Uh, They have seen Jesus walk through walls. They've seen him sit down and eat a meal and meet him on a seashore. They have, they met with the Lord. In fact, Paul would tell us in 1 Corinthians 15 that at one particular instance, there were over 500 people that saw him at one time. The Jew, the, the disciples are excited about the fact that Jesus has been resurrected and now they are expecting him to do what, what they'd been taught their whole life, and that was to set up an earthly kingdom. And they were Jews. They were the chosen people of God. They were to be favored in this kingdom. Now, remember that they had no New Testament as we had. In fact, they had no knowledge of the church age. The Apostle Paul writes to us in Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 8 through 12, speaking of the church, he said that was a mystery that was yet to be revealed. As far as the disciples knew, as far as they were concerned, it was time for Jesus to set up his kingdom. And Jesus spoke to that in verse number 7. He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. In other words, God's sovereign. God looks back upon our tomorrows. God has got the plan already figured out. Nothing ever takes him by surprise. God never wakes up in heaven wondering about what he's going to do today. God is a sovereign God, and he is controlling all things. Now, it must have taken them by surprise when Jesus, speaking with them, begins to ascend into the heaven. God gave them a visitation of explanation. They were there, they were walking with Jesus, and then suddenly he begins to ascend. The Bible says in verse number 10 of that same first chapter, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come again in like manner as you've seen him go into the heavens. So Jesus is taken up into heaven, and the disciples are left wondering, why in the world is Jesus taken from us? 
I'd like to share with you this morning in the way of a message, uh, three reasons why Jesus Christ had to go back to heaven, all biblical. First and foremost, Jesus went back to heaven so that the Holy Spirit of God could come in a manifestation for this dispensation like we have never known before. Here's what the Bible says, John chapter 14, verse number 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. And then again from John's Gospel, the 16th chapter, and verse number 7, Jesus Christ again doing the speaking. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, it is needful, it is expedient for you that I go away, because if I don't go away, then the Holy Spirit cannot come. I began to look through my Bible, and I found several reasons why we as the born-again child of God, as the children of God, need the Holy Spirit. And the first one is this. The Bible says, John chapter 16, verses 8 and 9, that when he has come, speaking of the Holy Spirit, that he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. According to Strong's Concordance of the New Testament Bible, the word used there, reprove, is the same English word to convict. And so when the Holy Spirit of God comes into this world, he comes into this world as a convictor. A convictor of what? According to Jesus, he is going to convict the world of sin because man doesn't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I live in a day and time in which man has almost completely overcome the thought that he has ever done anything wrong. And yet the Word of God is very explicit in this area. The Bible says, for all have sinned, that all have come short of the glory of God, that there's none righteous, no, not one. In fact, the Bible says in Numbers 23 and verse number, uh, excuse me, Numbers 32 and, and verse number 23, that, that God is a God who knows the heart, and He says that all, all have sinned. Again, the Word of God says in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that also shall he reap. And so the Holy Spirit of God comes into our lives and begins to convict us of the wrong that's in our lives. He doesn't accept excuses. He doesn't ask us to turn over a new leaf or try better. He comes to us telling us that there is no righteousness apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit of God is coming to the world to be a convictor of sin, but also a convictor of righteousness. Not only does he tell us what's wrong in our life, but he tells us about the Lord Jesus and how that the Lord Jesus can make everything right in our life. And then thirdly, the Bible says he comes as a convictor of judgment for a man who will not make it right, for a man who will not turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. There is coming a day of judgment when he will stand before the Lord who searches the heart of all of mankind and he will give an answer for the life that he's lived in this flesh. So the Holy Spirit of God, according to Jesus, 
was sent here, it was expedient that he come, that he might reprove, that he might convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come. And then the Bible says also that the Holy Spirit of God came into the life of the child of God as a companion. John chapter 14, verse number 16, the Bible says that he may abide with you forever. That's through trial. That's through triumph. He is with you. I love the promise of Hebrews chapter number 13 that says he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is going to be strength to you through the darkest days and through the brightest, excuse me, through the darkest night and through the brightest days, he will be with you. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit of God was sent into the world that he might come as a comfort to the child of God. Your Bible says, John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you and I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, the Word of God says that He is the God of all comfort. He knows the tears of your nights. He knows the burdens of your soul. And the Holy Spirit of God comes as only He can when there's no one else, no one to hold you, no one to strengthen you, no one to lift you up. When it seems like you're all alone in the world, for the child of God, the Holy Spirit of God bears you up and strengthens you, and sustains you, and comforts you in that time of trial. Then I'd say also quickly that the Holy Spirit of God is coming to be a confessor, to be a witness for the child of God. 1 John chapter 5, verses 6 through 10, the Bible says, This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood, and it is the Spirit that bears witness because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. And there are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. These three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave his son. Thank God for the child of God who knows beyond any shadow of doubt that he has met the Lord Jesus Christ and that he's been saved and that he's on his way to heaven. And the witness that he has for that is the precious Holy Spirit of God that abides within him. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 16, the Bible says the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. I'd go further to say that when the Holy Spirit of God comes into the world, not only does he come to be a convictor and a witness, but the Bible says that he comes to be a conductor of our worship. 
Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20, the Bible says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit of God, speaking unto yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God, and in the Father, and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the Holy Spirit of God that comes and enters in our worship as we worship the Lord God, the risen Savior. It is that Holy Spirit of God that conducts that worship on the inside of the saint that becomes bubbling through his mouth and through his heart and through his voice of praise. It is the Holy Spirit of God that conducts that worship. And then last of course, speaking of the Holy Spirit, why, why did Jesus go away? He went away to send the Holy Spirit. Well, why did he send the Holy Spirit? Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit is coming to be a completer. Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 18. The Bible says, but we all with an open face, beholding in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. I love that little children's song they used to sing in church. He's still working on me to make me what I need to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be because he's still working on me. Thank God I'm not a finished product. Amen. He's still working on me. He's still changing. He's still developing. He's still molding. He's still fashioning the clay to make it into a vessel of honor for his honor and for his glory. So the first thing we can say is that Jesus Christ went back to heaven that he might send the Holy Spirit to begin all of these works in our lives. And that's not an exhaustive list. That's just a partial list of all that the Holy Spirit of God does when he comes and takes up residence on the inside of the believer. But secondly, I want to say quickly this morning, he went back to heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father and make intercession for us. Reading from the book of Hebrews chapter 1 verse number 3, the Bible says, who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, He sat down on the right hand of majesty on high. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. The Bible says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but as in all point tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Again, in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25, the Bible says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercession for them. And then one last verse concerning this topic Hebrews 9, 24, the Bible says, For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us as our advocate. First John chapter 2, verse number 1 says, He's on our side. He remembers that I am but flesh. He knows that I'm going to fail and I've got faults, but he sits there at the right hand of God the Father, claiming me as his own, making intercession for me. 
Hebrews 4, 16 speaks of mercy and grace. And may I say to you that there are some times in your life when you're going to need the Lord to dispense mercy and grace. There will be times, regardless of who you are, when there will be failures in your life. Strive as hard as you will without the leadership and yielding to the Holy Spirit of God. You will fail. And at those times, the Word of God says, 1 John 1, 9, that if we would but confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Years ago, Julia Johnson wrote the song, Marvelous Grace. Can I read you a line of it? Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within, grace that is greater than all our sin. I'm so glad that the Bible says where sin abounded, where it multiplied, and where there were so many, many sins, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. I'm thankful that he's making intercession for us. I'd say secondly to you, not only do you need grace and mercy when you sin, but you're going to need some grace and mercy when you don't know what you're supposed to do. In James chapter 1, verse number 5, the Word of God says, If any man lack wisdom, that's me. Amen. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally. Dear friend, there are just some decisions that I don't need to try and make on my own. In fact, in my life, the decisions that I have made on my own have all led to failure, all led to futility. But dear friend, those decisions that I follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God on have always, have always prospered for the glory of God. I'd say to you that there's also going to be a time when you're going to need a little grace, going to need a little mercy. It's when your heart is broken. When you get that word about your friend, about your job, about your health. Second Corinthians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says in verse number 8, he spoke of being pressed out of measure and despairing even of life. You might have said it this way in the 21st century vernacular. You might have said, well, well I was just crushed. Or you might have said, I could have just died. One day, that call is going to come for all of us. And you'll be glad at that moment that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father and that he's going to send down mercy and grace and he's going to dispense that mercy and grace in a quantity that's going to meet that specific need in your life. Your Bible says, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8, cast all your care upon the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. Let me say that again to you this morning. He cares what you're going through right now. He cares the burden that you're carrying. And dear friend, he's got grace and he's got mercy. He's got an ample supply to meet your need. And then, of course, you're going to be glad you got plenty of grace and mercy when it comes time to die. The Bible says, John, the 14th chapter, verses 1 through 3, Jesus Christ is doing the speaking. He said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Excuse me. He said, I would uh, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again 
and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He was one of the greatest soul winners I've ever met. I loved him like he was a, 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 a part of my own family. His name was Grover Graham. He was one that took me around and, and, and introduced me to almost everybody in Taylor County at one time. But the day came when they said that Grover had cancer. It was a bad situation, a, a situation that was prolonged over many months, treatments, surgeries, until finally there simply was nothing else anyone could do. They brought Grover home from the hospital and put him there in the front room of his house, put a hospital bed right there beside the big picture window, and he was laying there, been in a coma for over two weeks, nothing to eat, nothing to drink. His wife was there, his son-in-law was there, excuse me, his stepson was there with him at that morning. They, they were listening to gospel music, and as they sat there beside Grover's bed, he hadn't spoke, he hadn't moved for two weeks. He sat up in the middle of his bed and said, there comes my Jesus, laid back down and took his final breath. Dear friend, when that day comes for this preacher, when that day comes for you, I want you to know as a child of God, there'll be grace and there'll be peace to meet that need. Well, there's one last thing I mentioned to you this morning, kind of in closing. Not only did Jesus Christ go back to heaven so that he could send the Holy Spirit, and not only did he go back to heaven so that he could sit at the right hand of God the Father making intercession for us, but your Bible says that Jesus went away so that he could come back again. Isn't that great? The angels down in verse number 11 of Acts chapter number 1 said, This same Jesus shall so come again in like manner. I love that promise. He is coming again. Perhaps he might even come today. Wouldn't that be a blessing? Coming to take us away from all of this that is going on to a place that you and I can't even imagine. Your Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 9, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things that God has got prepared for them that love him. Can you imagine a place? No, I know you can't. Because it's beyond our imagination. From the scriptures, we know that it'll be a holy place. Your Bible says that, that in that place, Revelation chapter 4 and, verses, uh, and chapter number 5, that the 4 and 20 elders and the, the congregation of heaven falls down and worships, crying out, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. We have some great worship services here at River of Life. God moves in this place. But dear friend, I want you to know that on our very best day, we can't come close to what it's going to be like when we're there at the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there, devoid of all sin, we worship the one who died for us. Not only will it be a holy place, but it will also be a, a heavenly place. Revelation 21 and 22 talk about this place called heaven. And it's going to be a place where there'll be no sickness, there'll be no death, There'll be no self-isolation, amen. It's going to be a glorious place for the glory of God. And then lastly, it'll be a home place. Revelation 21 says, verse number 5, we will dwell with him forever and ever, never moving again. 1985, my wife and I, along with our two children, moved from Missouri to Florida. Our son, Chris, was riding with me in the front of the truck as we drove down here and he looked over at me and he says, uh, Daddy, 
Can we stay here a long time? You see, I had been going to school, and I had been pastoring small churches getting through school. He had been to daycare in Brooklyn, Arkansas. He had been to school in Biggers, Arkansas. He had been to school in Summersville, Missouri. And he didn't want to move off and leave his friends anymore. Daddy, can we stay here a long time? We're going to a place, dear friend, where we can stay and never think of moving again. Jesus went back to heaven. Why? To send the Holy Spirit. To sit at the right hand of God the Father making intercession for us. And he went back to heaven so that he could come again. I'm looking forward to that. One day he's coming in victory. First Thessalonians chapter number 4. With the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. And you who are saved will rise to meet him in the air. I'm so glad he left. I'm so glad he's coming again. Now my question is, are you ready to meet him? If he were to come today. I believe there's probably some watching right now who say, Preacher, I'd love to be ready, but I don't know how. Let me tell you what the Bible says. First and foremost, we must realize and confess that we're sinners for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Secondly, we must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the only Lord. And then thirdly, we must believe that God has raised him from the dead. Romans 10, 9, the Bible said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse number 13 includes all of us. For the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means me. And dear friend, that means you. Would you pray with me right now? Father God, I pray right now in Jesus' name. There are those that are watching this, this service who truly, truly need to be saved. They've heard about religion and churches and all the other, but they've heard about Jesus this morning. And they want to respond to Jesus by confessing that they are sinners and that they need a Savior. And from their heart, they're crying out in pure belief that if you would save them, that they could be saved for eternity. Father God, I'm praying you'd bless them and help them to pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner, and I need to be saved. Would you save me? Would you come into my heart? Would you send your Holy Spirit to take up residence? Would you change me, Lord, make me what you want me to be? And Lord God, when you come again, would you take me to be with you throughout all of eternity? I pray that you prayed that prayer this morning. And I want you to know that if you did, your name has been written forever in the Lamb's book of life. God bless you. Look up. He's coming again. And dear friend, when he comes, we're going to be enjoy heaven for all eternity. God bless you.